to the Tulsa Music Stream. And now, your hosts, Scott and Jenna Squires. You want the dirt on rock and roll? You got it. Hey everyone, this is episode 92, and we will be joined with John Karabi, who, well, we all know him from, of course, the Dead Daisies, and former singer of Motley Crue, guitarist of Rat, and so many other bands. It's going to be an amazing conversation. Um, he will be here in Tulsa, um, I believe it's... Uh, it's Friday, October yeah. 13th. Yeah. Coming anyway, up. so make sure you share this um, episode on all your uh, favorite Facebook groups, favorite Facebook pages, uh, you know, tag your friends in it and all that good stuff. We're also on YouTube. We're live on Twitter, uh, live on Twitch, and we'll also be on um, uh, our podcast platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and so many others. Anyway, take it over, Jana. This is my host, Jana. Yes, thank you guys again for tuning in to Tulsa Music Stream and being the consummate professional that John is. He is already here a few minutes early and so we're going to go ahead and bring him on screen john karabi everybody how are you doing this evening sir i'm all good how are you we're great we really appreciate you cutting out some time for us tonight you know john we're lucky here in tulsa because for the second time in about three years you're going to come play for us and yes. it, this this show is coming up uh, Friday, October 13th at the Graffiti Bar, 111 South Detroit in Tulsa. You guys need to go to stubwire.com RSVP for your admission into this show. John, for people who have not seen your acoustic show yet, give us an idea of what we can expect at that show that night. You know, it's kind of um, anything goes. I don't really write a set list. Um it's just uh, stories, uh, some <laughs> inappropriate jokes, <laughs> and uh, just a bunch of different songs that I grew up listening to. And um, and then uh, I'm excited to see my good buddy, uh, Eddie Trunk, is going to be joining us for the evening as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. You know, again, Tulsa is so lucky, lucky because we have Doug Burgess. Who he's with DEB Concerts. He is an advocate and, and he really flies the flag in our in our area here to continue to bring you you artists of this genre that we all still love, still support. He continually brings you guys to the Tulsa area. So we're so fortunate to get to uh, be checking you out on October 13th. And we'll we'll plug that show again at the end of your interview. Uh, we do want to shift and talk about the Dead Daisies. Man, you guys are just out there kicking absolute ass. I, w- I want to ask, I know you guys are getting ready to head to Japan and Europe. Uh, you guys just finished up a handful of dates in the U.S. and Canada. Tell us how those dates went for you guys. It was, um, honestly, it was amazing. Um, you know, if any, anybody's been following my career, they, they know that I kind of left the band for a few years and uh, came back and um, we stood, We did some rehearsals in May and um, July. And uh, then we hit the road August, uh, I believe it was August 22nd. We started in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, went up the East Coast, into Canada, across yeah. Canada and down the West Coast. 
And uh, our last show was at the Roxy in LA and we had a great turnout at all the shows. The fans were um, just amazing as as usual. Um, I, I have to say it, we, the Dead Daisies, have the greatest fans on the planet, like literally travel to different countries and different places to come and see us. And uh, so we had a great time, man. It was awesome. And I want to ask you too, Scott, I'll let you have the next one. But, you know, I've, I've been perusing you guys' Facebook. You guys put out a lot of really cool videos that kind of show us the behind the scenes interaction uh, with, with you guys with each other off stage it seems like a very genuine tight-knit brotherhood it, it, it there's kind of a youth like just a, a good spirit about you guys to what do you attribute that tight bond that is very apparent between this current lineup well i i think first off and foremost um you know, the fact that we've all been friends for a very, very long time. We've, uh, I, I mean, just for example, uh, Doug Aldridge and myself have been friends since, God, I think Doug was maybe 16 or 17 years old back in Philadelphia, uh, where I grew up, Doug grew up as well. Um, and so we've all been friends for a really, really super long time. And the fact, you know, of the matter is we've all kind of followed each other's careers. I mean, let's let's face it, without blowing smoke up anybody's ass, I think, you know, Doug's an amazing guitar player. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's looked up, you know, people all over the world look up to him as far as his guitar capabilities yes. same with brian tishy brian to me is one of the most amazing drummers like out there i i'll take brian tishy any day of the week yes you know um michael devin uh is is a force to be reckoned with vocally and on bass guitar um and david lowey is you know a lot of people have have in the past have made comments about and if you've you're familiar with david's uh backstory he's a very successful businessman yes and you know he put together this thing uh you know just goes to show he he knows what he's doing obviously he's you know he's a very intelligent human being um you know, but the thing about David is he's not just successful with the music. If it was if it was a deal where he was just saying, like, uh, you know, uh, go write me an album and I'm just going to stand on stage with you guys and play and, you know, sit there and, and just bask in the glory of whatever, that'd be one thing. Right. But he's not doing that. He's literally involved every step of the way in creating the music and putting a show together in you know so he knows what he wants um he's he's uh you know it's amazing and i've become very very close friends with david you know since 2015 so we've known each other for seven or eight years now as well and we've become very very close friends so i think the fact that david is really good to all of us and the fact that we've all become 
incredibly close friends, um, you know, it makes it easy. Even when I wasn't in the band uh, and they had Glenn Hughes, um, I was still in touch with the guys on a very regular basis. David and I would exchange funny memes or we would call each other or text each other. Doug and I were talking to each other, all of us. I still talk to Marco. I still talk to Richard Fortas, Dizzy Reed, Tommy Clefettos. We're, we're all friends. So to this day, uh, we still talk to each other, even the guys that aren't in the band anymore. Um, Glenn and I, uh, the, the entire time he was in the band, we were communicating via Facebook and texting and Instagram and different things like that. So it it is it really does make it easy when you're friends with everybody that's in the band or has been involved with the band right. over yeah. the years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yes. and we've we've had Doug on our show. Yeah, and he was in his hotel room, and he got to he he picked up his guitar and and played it. And that was when uh, Glenn was in the band, and we were actually supposed to have both of them. And he Glenn ended up getting sick, and then um, it wasn't shortly after that. You know, it just came seemed like that. You know. It's like, what's going on with Glenn? You know, is he is he still with the Dead Daisies? I'm not sure. Does, did he go back to Deep Purple to do something or the um, make a new album with? Uh... Yeah, well, he's he's doing he's doing the I don't I don't even is it the 50th anniversary of the Burn record or ah. whatever? Mm. So he's he's doing that, but he's also been in the studio. I know he's been in the studio with Joe Bonamassa doing a new black country communion record. Right. So, you know, uh, Glenn came in, did an amazing job with the dead daisies. Yeah. They did two brilliant records, um, and a bunch of touring, uh, or as much as they could do during COVID. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I did my thing. I went out, I, you know, I, I wrote a book, um, I really wasn't doing much, obviously, because of COVID as far as playing live shows. But um, I wrote a book called Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. And then I, only because I'm late to the game and I'm I'm a bit of an idiot, uh, I never really paid much mind to things like Pro Tools and recording yourself. So I took classes and learned how to record myself. I'm still a little slow at it, but I recorded a bunch of music and it's just sitting there waiting. And, um, you know, in our downtime from the daisies, I'm going to put new music out and go out on tour and do my thing. Awesome. Now, when you do go on tour with Dead Daisies, and you did mention, you know, how successful uh, David is, does that mean that he, you know, because we, we understand that most guys that are, you know, well off like that, they're going to get to their gigs the easiest way. And, you know, it's usually a jet or a helicopter or something like that. <laughs> do you, do you get to fly with him when he goes to, to the shows or is it like you guys have to like rough it out on the bus and then he goes, <laughs> there's the, the jets and stuff. Look, as I said, as I said earlier, David takes very good care of us. Awesome. That's super cool. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really, really great. You talked about the book and, you know, anytime, you rock stars write these books. We fans get super excited because we always love these these inside looks into, you know, a deeper dive into your stories. And this this book is not just about, you know, the parties. And, and I mean, you get into some deep stuff. 
tell us how how long it took you to put this together and was this a pretty difficult process to get it to the point where it was ready for release and you were satisfied with the end product well again i'm not uh, i know nothing about writing books uh, look, let's face it i can give you an a chord and sing a melody over it but when it comes to things like writing books and shit like that i have no idea what i'm doing so my good friend, Paul Miles, uh, he was the one that spearheaded the whole thing. And um, so when COVID hit, uh, he had talked to me about doing a book in 2019. And I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. But once COVID hit and we all realized that we were going to be home for a while, he kind of reached out to me and brought it back up again. And, uh, you know, at that point, I'm like, well, fuck, like, I, I don't really have much else to do at this sure. point. Sure, let's do it. So you have to understand Paul. Paul has got a website called, um, I think it's called Crucial Crew. Yeah, he's, he's like a... Um, crew historian. Yeah, a, a Motley Crew yes. historian. And as far as researching things go, I mean, that, that guy could be a private investigator. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Wow. Um, he found things about me that I forgot about and that I I was like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, how did you figure that out? And he just did these deep dives. So he went on, researched a bunch of different interviews, and, and, and it was a little difficult because he lives in Australia. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. So we were talking to each other. Uh, it'd be like Saturday morning, his time, Friday night, my time. And he would have a list of questions like set up and ready to ask me. It, we can kind of conducted it like an interview. Um, so he would ask me a question and I, as I was giving him the answer, if there was something that intrigued him in my answer, like he would stop me and then go, whoa, 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 explain like, what do you mean by, or who's this guy that you were in the band with or whatever? And I would elaborate on it. And I just gave him all this information. We did this for a couple of months. Hmm. Uh, Paul kind of put it into a book format and then sent me a Word document. And then I went through it and read the whole thing and took things out or added things that I thought were missing, corrected things that were maybe not totally correct whatever mm -hmm. and then i would send it back to him and then he would go through it and we just did this like five or six times back and forth correcting and editing and um you know we got it to a point where we felt that uh it was it was a good read we felt it wasn't boring mm -hmm. And we took as much fat out of the story as we could. Mm. Um, and then we sent it out and Rare Bird, uh, Rare Bird Books, they, they saw it, they read it, and they immediately got back to us and uh, said, man, this is great. We want to do something with it. Wow. Um, at first, they were a little concerned that it might be a little long hmm. because most musical autobiographies are only like 250, 
max 300 pages. Right. And I think my book clocks in at like four and change, like wow. four fifty or something like that. But the thing is, they sent they sent the um, I don't know what it would be called the uh, transcript yeah. of the book. They sent it to all their employees, and they said, "What would you cut out?" And they sent him home for the weekend. They all read it, and they came back, and they're like, "Fuck, man, it's great!" Like, I, I, <laughs> that's so cool. So we left it as is. It's a little. It is, you know. But again, I look at it like, you know what? It's it's double the length of most musical autobiography. So I feel like the fans are getting more for their buck. And a lot of the fans are saying that they had a hard time putting it down. And, and, and then when it was over, they wish it wasn't over. So, <laughs> I mean, you gave them 450 pages and they wanted 450 more. So that's, you know, it's yeah, always a great and, thing. And that's the thing. Like, I have to be honest with you. Like, I, I, I've been, you know, in this day and age, like, you don't sell you know, it's not like records being, you know, the, the, well, first of all, there are no record stores anymore, very minimal. Mm. And the places where you can buy records, they usually just do the top 20. Yeah. Billboard albums, you know, right. whatever. Uh, yeah. So and it's the same with books. So I'm selling most of them online uh, through Amazon and shows. Yeah. And I have to be honest with you, I sit every night, I don't charge for a meet and greet, I just sit there and I try to say hello to everybody. And I sign the books. And I I'll tell you, man, like the people that had it and showed up at the show and asked me to sign it, um, the complaints have been like none. Mm. Awesome. And they're all saying the same thing, like it was such a great read and- yeah. Uh, and they love the fact that it's not a, it's not just about music. It's right. just about life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so, you, you talk about driving a truck and, you, you know, you go through your parents' divorce. And I mean, it gets really personal things that, you know, the, a lot of things that people don't know about you, you know, they can finally, you know, see the real you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I, I didn't want it to be because I think there's more to life than, your job, you know, regardless of what it is, you know, again, it, you know, I, I hate the term, but, you know, people look at me and go, oh, he's a rock star. He's a, you know, whatever. I just think there's more to life than just your job. Sure. You know, people like football players, whatever. I just saw a thing, um, whatever. I can't remember. I can't remember what team it was, but they were just talking about one of these football players that showed up on Sunday and his daughter had just passed away mm. like uh, maybe a week or two prior, you know? And it's like, you sit there and you watch this guy play ball and you go, fuck, like, how's he able to do that? And, mm. and I just wanted, I just wanted to make sure when I talked with Paul that a, the book sounded like me talking and B, that it showed that I'm more than just the guy that sang in the scream or Motley right. and, and union or the dead daisies, you know, and you know, we're human, you know, yeah. things bother us too. If you're going through a divorce or, you know, you're just whatever, 
you know, death in the family, whatever it's, you know, yeah, the show must go on. But at the same time, you know, you're looking at someone on stage doing what they do and you really don't know what's going on in their life, you know? So I just really wanted it to be a book about life in general. You know, with you saying that, we did a lot of research on you and, you know, I didn't really know, um, I knew a lot about your, your, your musical side, but, but not your personal side. And with the book, and then last night we spent three hours on uh, Paramount Plus and we watched this uh, documentary called I Wanna Rock, You Are In It. Um, it's a, an amazing, amazing documentary on my favorite subject, 80s heavy metal. <laughs> and the stories were amazing. Uh, they were, some of them were uh, make you want to cry. There were sad stories in there. There were uh, stories of triumph and, and um, success and failure. And your story touched touched us um, yes. as well as uh, wingers and and um, uh, Skid Row uh, guitarist yeah um, Janet from Vixen. It was it was really well done. We're, finish your question, and then I want to elaborate. Yeah, on that. I just want to say how how your book kind of you know it, it blends in with this with this documentary. You know, with with your parents, you gave your dad finally gave you a stamp of approval when you saw all the magazines he saved of you and everything. It was a touching documentary, and and, and I, I recommend everyone to go out. And, and and watch it and yes. on the Paramount Plus. Were you pleased with how that turned out? Because you know, as as disappointing as it was regarding how your role in Motley Crue was depicted in the dirt, I think the folks that did this did you right and and gave you the the camera time and the face time that you rightfully deserve. And as Scott said, when you got to the point where you talked about your dad, it, it was super touching. Were you were you pleased with how that turned out? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was, you know, to be, again, to be honest with you, and this will go back to, you know, the story I was trying to convey about my dad, like, you know, honestly, like, I, I was just honored to just, you know, when the guys from MTV called me and said, hey, we'd like you to be a part of this documentary we're doing. And I was like, okay, um, all right, it's yeah sure and i wasn't real sure like is this something that's going to be taking a piss out of mm -hmm. and and uh you know and the guy tyler misham that uh you know uh directed it uh he was such a nice guy and and his questions were great he asked me a lot of things and and um you know i think i you know the thing that's funny about my relationship with my dad though was I think this is something that a lot of guys go through um, regardless of what it is that they want to do, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever, going in the military or fucking driving a truck or whatever, you know, when you're a kid, nothing seems to be good enough for your parents. You know right. what I mean? Right. And, that story that I told in the TV show, it was really kind of a t turning, divining moment in my life. My dad gave me this advice that was just so fucking amazing and needed mm -hmm. at that moment of my life that I, I just kind of put everything into perspective for me. Yeah. And I was just telling, oddly enough, uh, uh, this guy that I was 
I took an Uber ride yesterday or the day before, and the guy was, you know, a musician. We live in Nashville. It's like, you know, the old Hollywood adage, like every waitress is an actress just waiting to happen. Um, you know, but this kid, I was talking with him, and, like, the thing that my dad tried to get across was don't focus on the things that you don't have focus on the things that you do have yeah and like i used to sit there you know for years and just sit there and go fuck man like what do you have to do what do you have to do to be like super super uh hold on a minute i'm getting a phone no you did oh there we go um, you guys disappeared though. <laughs> okay. Um, but it was like, what do you have to do to be like super famous? Like to, you know, have millions of dollars in your bank account and like all this other shit. And the thing that that conversation with my dad made me realize is like, you know what? You're, you're sitting here and you're pulling your hair out over the, what ifs and whys and whatever what do you have right now and i was just sitting there going man i i okay i have a beautiful home a beautiful wife beautiful kid beautiful grandkids um still you know i'm 64 years old i've been doing this since i was 17. the one time i had a job was when i went and drove the truck like you know or prior prior to getting my record deal or after my record deal um but it's like i had to put everything into perspective and i sat there and i went you know what i've had a record deal with the scream with motley with union i've had my own solo record deal and then with the dead daisies and the thing is, like, if you sit there and go, man, like, why is my bank account not look like Nikki Six's, or why does it not look like Steven Tyler's or, you know, yeah. Joe Ellie? Mm-hmm. You just sit there and you're, you're like, eh, you're going to drive yourself fucking crazy. It's just like, let the universe do what it's going to do. But the thing that I do have is like, as I was saying, a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, grandkids, and I'm still... I'm still here doing interviews with you guys. I'm still touring the world. I'm still making like, yeah, is it millions of dollars? No, but I'm still playing music and I'm still getting paid really well to travel the world with it, whether it be with an acoustic guitar or the dead daisies and I'm I'm like, so that was what my dad was trying to tell me was Mm -hmm. like, focus on what you have and what you've got going for you than the things that you don't have. That'll come. Just let it go. Stop worrying about it and just live your life. And once he told me that, and then, you know, unfortunately he passed away in 2014, but then when I saw all the magazines, like, every fucking magazine that i was ever in (laughs) he had in a footlocker with like or were like he he had taken all the pictures and cut them out of the magazines and put them in photo books 
And I just sat there and went, oh, well, that was his stamp of approval. And now it's time for me to just focus on what I have. That's and amazing. How, how lucky I am. Because there's, there's, trust me, there's musicians on this planet that are a hundred times better than all the musicians we buy records for, but they're sitting in their garage or they're sitting in their basement or they're getting up every day, going to work in a steel mill. And they just, they weren't able to get that one break. Well, and I'm sitting here 40 years later, still going strong, man. So it's like, Life is good. Let me tell you what. Let me just reinforce to you that you have definitely arrived at the correct place mentally and emotionally about it. The two of us, we never got past, you know, cover band. I mean, we, we both had original bands, but, you know, here we are in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We never got past the cover band level. And trust me, we would kill to be. <laughs> but your, you know what? We did get to open up for John at the IDL we ballroom. Did, so that was amazing. That, that was like the height of our <laughs> success. But but you're so right, man, because just anytime that creeps back in, just remember there's a, there's a bunch of schmoes like us out there that are getting up at six o'clock to, to clock in. And, and uh, you know, you are definitely a blessed man, yeah. and, but you've earned I, everything too. I, I realize that, you know, and it's, and, and at the same time, like I've, you know, I, I've, I know I've worked hard. Um, I know I, I'm always trying to make sure I show up and I'm on stage and I try to make sure that my throat is taken care of. And I try to make sure that I'm in reasonably good shape for being 64 years old. You know what I mean? But it's like, um, I, I try to make sure that I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, polite and nice to the fans that sure. have supported the last 30 or 40 years. So I, I really do feel blessed. You know what I mean? And, yes. and it's sound cliched or bullshit. Um, I, I do. I now, after that conversation with my dad and it, it really opened my eyes to, you know, stop worrying about what the fuck Nikki six is doing right. or about the, you know, you know, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar car Steven Tyler's buying, and you know where he gets to go vacation and just enjoy your fucking life. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. I just kind of let it go. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna be that guy that's like uh, blessed, but I'm just gonna be that guy that's like kind of a household name, but not quite, and and I'm okay with it. Well, you're certainly beloved, and and yes. we definitely have a lot of your fans here. Uh, we do a we do a live stream, and we, a lot of your fans are watching the interview as we go on. So we're going to ask a couple of questions from the fans in the chat room for you, and and um, or just uh, this, read, read, some read, read some comments. This is from uh, Michelle White. She says, "Love you, Crab. Uh, love spending time with you and Destin. And thanks again for signing my cherry pie." Laughing out loud. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know that the sound guy had it in the car all day. Huh? <laughs> okay. I, I, I really need to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, move, moving right along. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. Um, Leslie says, when I seen you in Tulsa, you were very generous with your time. That's nice. Yeah. We love you here in Tulsa. Definitely. Thank you. What else and, you got? Enough. 
I have I have another friend that lives in uh, Tulsa, uh, Danny Boy. Um, oh yeah, who, yeah, Danny from uh, House of Pain. Yes. Yeah, it's bought the he bought the outsiders house, house. yeah house and he made it a museum so hopefully if i get there i can go stop by and 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 see it i'd love to uh the last time i played there um danny came by the show we were hanging out for a bit so he's a good dude right on jessen mcdougall says glad you're back with the dead daisies loved your album with motley crew by far my favorite yeah, a lot of people share that sentiment, you know, that that is a revered album. Yeah. Bill Warford says, awesome John Crabby, one of the greatest rock singers ever seen him at the IDL Ballroom. He did an amazing cover of The Cars Drive. Awesome. Uh, yes, yes. Thank but, you, guys. You know, you, you did talk a little bit about, you know, some Motley Crue stuff. And, you know, you, you brought up your, your record uh, deals that you have. Um uh, Mick Mars um, in the recording studio, you know, for years have been saying he's going to be coming out with a solo album. Um, apparently, he's he's got a record deal. I'm not sure with who or what. I know you're supposed to be on this record. Are you in? Are you out? You know, we don't know how how things are going with everything on that side. Do you have any inside information? No, to be honest with you, I don't. And it's it's unfortunate. Um, and, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't know. Uh, hopefully, um, they can separate one thing from the other. Yeah. But fortunately, I believe the record deal, because uh, I was actually talking to Paul Taylor about this uh, when I was. I just did a tour with uh, Tom Kiefer and Winger. Yeah. Summer prior to doing the dead daisies thing. And um, I was asking Paul what the deal is with Mick's record. Cause he actually helped Mick co-write some of the songs. And I think he played on it as well, some guitar and keyboards. And unfortunately <laughs> Mick, the record deal that Mick signed was with Alan Kovac Motley's manager. Wow. So I'm just going to, I could be wrong on this, but I'm thinking that because he's suing Motley now, that that's going to be detrimental to the album coming out or not. They're going to sit on it. Ugh, Probably. Man. Oh, man. So I'm not sure when we're going to hear that record uh, of mix as far as the songs that I did with him I don't know if I'm going to be on it I did two songs for Mick mm -hmm. uh, God I think it was the first year I was in the Dead Daisies first or like maybe 2016 wow so we're talking six years ago seven yeah. years ago. Um, whether or not they made the record I couldn't tell you but I know uh, Paul Taylor was uh played some guitar and keys on it and i believe um this awesome singer named jacob bunton um he he did a lot of the writing with mick and paul and sang on the record yeah but 
unfortunately, I'm thinking, I, I, again, I could be wrong. I always preface everything I say with I could be wrong, but I wasn't wrong about the lawsuit. So mm -hmm. thinking that because he signed the deal with Motley's manager, <sighs> thinking that that record is just going to get sat on for a while. You know, you were one of the first ones to come out in public on behalf of Mick Mars when that all that kind of came down. Um, of course, you and Carmine um, Apice. Um, yeah. Was that something that came as a shock to you when you saw the news? Did it something that you just needed to kind of get off your chest because you knew something was not right with it? No, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I was not. First of all, they put out a press release saying that Mick wasn't going to tour due to his health and blah, blah, blah. And he was yeah. retiring. Um, I didn't say a word. The only reason why it got out was because I was in London. I was doing a uh, I had an acoustic show in London, but they had also set up a book signing and a Q&A for me like a day or two before my show. Yeah. Um, and there was a live audience, you know, and then I took some questions from the audience and that first statement had just come out. And one of the fans said to me, uh, how do you feel about this whole thing? The statement of Mick Mars retiring. And uh, it, it had been the statement had been out maybe a couple of weeks. And I just I, I'm not you know, I, I don't have anything against Motley. I don't have anything against Mick. I, I really have no fucking horse in that race. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, but they asked me a question and I said, you know what? Honestly, I said, that's a statement that was prepared by Motley's managers. Mm -hmm. Motley's side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Um I'm not going to totally believe anything that they have to say until I hear from Mick. And that was it. That's all I said. Um, and he ended up going silent on phone calls and text messages and things. And did that yeah, kind of, did that kind of bring like, like kind of, you know, get your antennas up a little bit about the situation or. Well, I was talking to his wife prior. I had not talking, texting. Mm -hmm. And I was in Switzerland, which is where she's from. And I was texting her. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm in your motherland. And honestly, I just wanted to see if her parents and sister wanted to come to one of my shows. Mm -hmm. Um so she was like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and we were texting back and forth, and I sent her some photos, and she was commenting. And then I said, how's Mick? And it was like, boop, crickets. Oh, man. So I said, eh, something's not right. So I don't know what it is, but something's not right. And so I made that comment at the book signing thing, and the fan was like, well, what do you mean? And, and I just said, look, this is a statement, again, that has been made up, I, I, not made up, but like it's it's a press release. Right. It's yeah. put together by Motley's PR people and management. And until I hear from Mick that, yes, 
I'm not feeling 100%, so I'm not going to tour anymore, or mm -hmm. I'm stepping out of Motley Crue, you know, until he says it, I, I don't believe any of it. So can I ask, and, when, when is the last time you've talked to Mick, if you don't mind sharing it's, that? I, I mean, we've texted each other. Yeah. Okay. You know, he'll, he'll respond to a text. I'm like, oh, hey, dude, how you feeling? And he'll go, I'm good, Crab, just trying to get through this bullshit. Mm. And, and then I just let it go. Like, I don't want to get too involved in anything, whatever. Mm. And I yeah. just said, hey, need anything? Just let me know. I, I only live like 20 minutes from Meg. So I just said, if you need anything, give me a shout. Wow. You know, you and, were the you were the first one to replace anyone in Motley Crue, and you had to you know sit there through these uh, press con you know press conferences and stuff, and and kind of deal with them bashing on Vince and stuff. And I, I always wondered if that ever made you uncomfortable, you know, kind of oh. having to kind of deal with all that, you know, as as like it's basically a divorce going on, you know. <laughs> Listen, dude, there were so many things in that band that I just kind of, I was like not comfortable with, but I just kept my mouth shut and just kept telling myself like, well, okay. I mean, obviously they've been very successful their whole career. They know what's going on. They, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And I let things go that I probably shouldn't have let things go, but I did. Um, you know, but you live and learn, dude. You know, it's like, okay, mistake. I figured it out. No big deal. Now it's like if I see something that I don't think is right, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm not trying to piss anybody off, but I'm going to fucking say something this time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, my yeah. Like Scott said, we're doing all this research on you. We pulled up a bunch of old interviews, you know, where we were watching where you're sitting there with them right after they've gotten you in the band and man, the vibe was so good. They were speaking so highly of you and just talking so much about what you've brought to the band, uh, you know, strapping your guitar on and how that just blew them away. I know you've made comments in the past that it was very enjoyable making that 1994 album, but then by the time you were involved in, in the writing of what would become Generation Swine, you basically have said that was miserable. So what do you what do you think led to the deterioration of the relationship with those guys was it primarily because the honeymoon period was over or, or do you think it's because they were feeling the pressure from the label and not not selling 12 million albums you know right off the bat what was causing that to be a miserable experience for you all of the above okay you know they i mean it, it, it's like i'm not I'm not telling anybody anything new. Like uh, yeah. at the end, of, we were on, we were on tour, and the minute we got back, like we got home from tour, they fired everybody: managers, accountants, lawyers. They fired everybody. The record label. I mean, how would you feel? Let's just say this. How would you feel if you went in and you put a lot of money down on a car and said, I want uh, <clears throat> whatever, let's just say I want the Audi R8 Spider. Okay, 
That's $175,000. Okay, well, here's $175,000. I want an Audi R8 Spider in black. But they deliver an Audi TTRS, which is 100000 cheaper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In white. And it's like, you know, that's basically in the nutshell like I'm not I'm not slagging myself that I'm not worth you know whatever money but I'm it's just at the end of the day Electra handed Motley like 30 or 40 million dollars after decade of decadence yeah and you know they purchased something and the something that purchased was Vince Nikki Tommy and Mick. And then three months later, four months later, five, whatever, whatever it was, five months, they contact the record label and they go, oh yeah, that piece, that that emblem on the hood of the car is gone. It's we got this new emblem that we're gonna, you know what I mean? And it's like the record label wasn't happy from the beginning. Yeah. Now you factor that in with, you know. Uh, those guys talking shit as much as they could, as often as they could about Vince in a derogatory fashion, then that drew a line in the sand with the fans. Then you factor in, it was, that was the time when Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, all those bands were, you know, that's what everybody was listening to. And all the shit that Motley represented was out of fashion. I'm going to tell you something you've probably already been told a million times. I believe you were made the scapegoat in a situation where, quite frankly, you know, here it is, 19, the, the mid-90s. I mean, any band that had any kind of association with the 80s, they were cast aside like they were garbage. And I mm-hmm. feel that even if Vince had still been in the band they would have had the same downturn of success. No one was wanting to do, have anything to do with quote-unquote 80s bands at that time. So I truly feel you were made a scapegoat. You guys put out an amazing album. It did not sound dated. It's It was very relevant. And it didn't sound like grunge either. No, it did not. And I know you're proud of that album. You should be. I, I, I love that record. And, you know, to be honest with you, there's... You know, other songs, you know, it's funny because there was not just that record. We did uh, almost another album's worth of material on a record called Quaternary. Love that stuff as well. And and then we started writing for the Generation Swine record, you know. And, and, you know, at times it was okay. But I just think, you know, the record label was pressuring uh the guys and i don't give a shit what alan kovac says alan kovac came back into this thing with one goal in mind and that was to get me out and get vince back because he saw money yeah money yeah Yeah. like i can get these guys back together again i can salvage this deal with electra and i can make money putting the original four back out on the road again yeah well, you know, it's always kind of a pattern with when Tommy left, they, they talk shit with each other, yeah. you know, when Tommy was left, you know, left and then, you know, they got 
Holes drummer, Samantha uh, Maloney, was that her name? You know, then there was shit going back and forth with all that. And then, of course, now Mick. And so everyone's almost kind of had their their day, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of all had their day. But we are coming up uh, 30 years of the 94, the Motley 94. And, of course, um, as you were told in a a recent interview, um, there was an online petition I believe on Metal Sludge or something like that, people were signing uh, signatures for uh, a box set of Motley 94, which I think would be fantastic. You feel like they are trying to uh, pretty much bury the the, the John era, uh, the 94 era, um, which, you know, I always question that because Tommy Lee recently did a drum solo, and one of the songs on his drum solo, I believe, was... Uh, 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 one of the 94 songs, I think it was the first track. Uh, I don't know if you say do- that again, John. He did hammered and power to the music and his soul. power to the music. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, and he, he's, he's recently come out and I believe it was 2015 said it was his favorite Motley album. I know uh, Mick loved it. Um, I, th- I believe Nikki said some, some good things about it, you know? Um, so, do you feel that it's more the management trying to bury it to protect, you know, the Vince uh, uh, legacy and everything? Or do you think it's actual the, mem- the members themselves? I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, it could be the members themselves. And, I, you know, again, I had a and, – and I'm just saying what this is – it's – well, nobody really knows this, but – I did a, uh, you know, when they were doing the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Their production company called me and they go, oh, hey, we didn't realize that you wrote uh, one of the songs that we'd like to use in the movie. And I said, oh, uh, what song is that? And they're like, Bulligan's Holiday. I said, I co-wrote all those songs. (laughs) And. So they were like, well, we want to use Hooligan's Holiday in the movie. So I just stopped this chick. And I just said, look, here's the deal. I don't have an issue with you using the song in the movie, but I'm just going to say this right now. Um, like she said, it was a set fee. It was what they call a, uh, a sync fee to be in the movie. I said, all right, whatever. I said, but here's the deal. I said, there's two things I need to ask you. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that you can use the song. I don't give a shit. You send me over something to sign. I'm going to have my managers and lawyers look at it. And if they tell me it's good, I'll sign it. I don't have an issue. But I said, I'm just telling you right now that if I make one penny less than the other three guys in Motley, I'm coming after you. And she goes, no, 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 no. It's all set. It's all set. I go, okay, no worries. Number two, do the guys know that you're talking to me right now? <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? I said, do they know that you want to use Hooligans Holiday in the movie? And she was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've all signed the contract. I said, that's not what I asked you. Mm. I didn't ask you if they signed the contract. What I asked you was, do they know and you got and when I say they, the entire band, management, whatever, do they know that you're talking to me right now, and that I'm going to make some money off this movie, The Dirt? 
And she goes, well, I don't see why it would be an issue. Uh, we already told them that, you know, and they all signed the contracts. And I go, okay, well, I'm telling you right now, the song will never be in the movie. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you. And I wasn't wrong about that either. My goodness. They well, pulled it from the movie. And if you look, the scene where Vince is sitting in the bar, he looks up and he sees a snippet of Hooligan's Holiday on the TV, but you don't hear the music. It's not, it was not in the movie. So I, I'm left to believe like these fans keep coming to me and saying, hey, you know, are you ever going to release the Motley 94? I said, you know, I just stopped him. I go, listen, it says Motley 94, Motley. I've got nothing to do with that band anymore. Motley crew controls all that shit. You want to see, if you want to buy vinyl, you're either going to have to hunt it down or you're going to have to write to Nikki Six and ask him to put it out on vinyl. I've got nothing to do with that shit, but I can also guarantee you that it will never happen. Mm. Well, you nailed that now one. <laughs> Wait, you, you, you did uh, recently, uh, you did go out and you played uh, the whole album um, in its entirety. Um, well, that, great, like, great, great show. Um, that was eight years ago, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's on Spotify. Um, you can get... Um, you can listen to it on Spotify. It's great stuff. I love the production of it. I thought your vocals did did well. Uh, you sounded great. The guitars, and I believe your son was the drummer. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Great stuff. And, and I know you did that so the people who weren't able to come and see the show, um, yeah, I believe you did it in Nashville, um, and you put it out on Spotify for people to so they can listen to it. And um, is that also on sale on um, on your website? No, it's on, I don't, you know, I sell them at my shows, but, okay. um, you know, if anybody wants to buy the actual CD, uh, they can go to um, Rat Pack, you know, Rat Pack Records and, and purchase it through them. But, um, yeah, I just, I, you know what, honestly, dude, it was so weird. I was doing those shows in 2014, which was, the, I believe, the 20-year anniversary of the record coming out, and... I just did it to do it. But the funny thing is I went out and I did a tour and I said, Hey, this is the Motley record in its entirety. It, you know, same, same as the record top to bottom live. And then I would get done and everybody would go, Oh man, that was awesome. Um, but I'm kind of disappointed, man. I didn't hear man in the moon or any union or, and I'm right. like, oh. he just can't so, please anyone. <laughs> And at that point, you know what? I'm not going to ignore the fact that I was in that band for a minute. And like, if anybody wants to hear Hooligans Holiday or whatever, whatever bug I have up my ass that night, I'm going to play some stuff from that record. But I also have music from the Scream Union, my own solo shit. Yeah, I've got Ed Daisy's music. You know, I, I didn't even realize this until recently, but I, I've done, you know, obviously some live records as well but I, i've got 15 fucking records out right so i just go you know what i'm not going to sit here and do tours anymore and focus on one of the 15 fucking records i'm going to sure. do a little bit of everything and hopefully uh you know the audience will be you know for the most part pleased 
You know, it's funny though, there's even like, you know, there's a few songs that Aerosmith has to do, like Dream On. It's gotta be in the set every night of the week. Yeah. You know, but you're never gonna please everybody. Like there's some fans that wanna hear, they wanna hear, you know, Sweet Emotion. And then there's other fans like me that wanna hear the deep cuts, like Seasons of Wither. They wanna hear Round and Round. They wanna hear, you know, Nobody's Fault. You know, all those deep cut songs that get the let out that Aerosmith, you know, so you're never gonna please everybody. So just do your thing, have fun, keep your fingers crossed, hope that the audience enjoys what you're doing and (laughs) live another day. We'll hit a couple more things and then uh, start wrapping up with you. Thank you again for your time tonight. So how, so the Motley thing blows up. How palate cleansing was it for you to hook up with Bruce Kulick and do union? Um, Was that, was that almost therapeutic for you and kind of a, kind of a a reassurance that, Hey, I'm going to survive this and I'm going to continue to thrive as a musician. Well, you know, it was therapeutic for Bruce and I, because before every writing session, we'd probably sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about the misery we were both going through. Right. Almost mirror images of each other at the same time. Um, you know, so it was therapeutic that way. I got to vent lyrically on some of the stuff. So that was also therapeutic. Um, you know, but I didn't realize, I didn't know if I was going to be all right, because again, still, I was still kind of in the tail end of that whole Pearl Jam. Like we do, Union didn't fit into anything. We weren't a new band and we weren't an 80s band. We weren't, you know, we weren't Motley Crue, we weren't Kiss. We were a new band as far as that went, but we were also not a new band. It was the weirdest thing. So we, Oddly enough, in Europe, we did great. Europe, Scandinavian countries, South America was like, you know, selling out these huge places. Hmm. But in America, which is where the money is, we couldn't fucking get arrested. (laughs) Uh, So it was just one of those things, you know, again, one of the things that I was kind of pulling my hair out about at the time just sitting there going, what fuck? Like, what do you gotta do? Like to just make your mark. Yeah. And you just sit there and you go, fuck. All right, you know, whatever, I don't know. Uh, So I was still a bit nervous about, you know, and one of the things that I kinda talked to my dad about was like, did I peak in 94? Is that it? Is this the best? Was that it? Right. Mm. Was that my brass ring? And and he kind of put everything into perspective for me. (laughs) But so I wasn't totally comfortable at that point, even though even though I was happy, I was creating, I was being given another opportunity to travel the world and play guitar and act like an idiot on stage. But. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was cool that way, but I still wasn't out of the woods yet as far as how do I get back to, again, you know, I kind of had five years of, of a taste of what life could be like. Right. 
And I'm like, how do I get back to that? And I was looking at it the wrong way. I don't necessarily, I don't need to ride. Uh, I don't need to be, that's, that's not what made me happy. I had to like, I had to sit there and think about the kid that was practicing in his garage in his basement and just content that he figured out the guitar solo in Smoke on the Water. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, ah, uh, I, 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 was, I realized I wasn't doing it for the love of doing it. I was doing it to get back to that. Sure. What, the, what does that mean? That means what? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> ride in a private jet or ride first class or, you know, have a half a million dollars in your personal savings account or oh, what does that mean right it, you know so I, I i wasn't quite out of the woods yet and it wasn't until you know i can tell you exactly it, i it was i was doing that monster circus thing with all, a bunch of friends in las vegas and it was like my 50th birthday it was just prior to my 50th birthday. And I had that long conversation with my dad and he goes, dude, you're looking at things the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I went, fuck it. None of it matters. I'm still playing music. And again, I don't have to go through the list. Here's all the great things I have going on in my life. Yep. All the other shit doesn't matter. That's right. Doesn't no, when Union right. when Union first hit hit the the press and and we knew this this album you know former Kiss members former Motley members you, you know join a band together and they put out this new album it's Bruce and then and then of course you know the Eric Singer project you know you, there's now there's two Kiss members and and a Motley singer and it's like you know it all looked great on paper and the music sounded great. And, and, and I thought for sure this thing was going to blow the hell up yeah. and, and why didn't it? I'd have no clue. I don't know what it was, but it, great stuff. And, and it was a great idea. I mean, especially it, just right at the perfect timing. It's, it's, you know, and this, it's funny. I laugh because this is why I called my book horseshoes and hand grenades. I realized that I've been the king of always being at the right place, but at the wrong time. Mm. And, you know, like even, even some of the girls that I've dated and been married to, if you, it, now in hindsight, I can look back at everything with some wisdom and go, you know what? Um, probably shouldn't have married a girl that was 24 years old. She went, hadn't figured her life out yet didn't know what she wanted do you know what i mean so you can do that sometimes like you can look at why a relationship didn't work after you've left and you've had some time to reflect for a minute um when you're in it you're like Ugh. you know what i mean yeah so um you know what in hindsight everything that i did i look again this is another little parameter that I use, but I, I, I just say like every band that I was ever in, uh, I wish I was still sitting here talking to everybody about the 15th scream album. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out that way. Not my choice. I was in the screen and then all of a sudden who knew Motley Crue would call. Right. And yeah, great. I started flying first class and all that shit, but I also did it right at the brink of 
the grunge thing happening and all of the 80s, that anti 80s sentiment being yeah. swept under the rug. Not my fault. That's right. Didn't plan on it, you know, and then I got into this band union and it was like, you know, and it just the way it worked out, the promoters and the radio stations and all the magazines were like, well, are they a new band or are they an old band? How do we categorize them? We don't know. We don't know what to do with this band, blah, blah, blah. So we wound up walking our own path and we made a great dent all around the world except yeah. for America. And you can ask any musician on the planet, if you had to make it somewhere, where do you want to make it? And they're going to say America. Yeah. America is like the key to everything, you know? So it just didn't work out. I can't change the things that happened in the past. I'm not going to try and change it, but I'm not also going to sit here and give myself an ulcer over the things that I may or may not been able to do right. 20 or years ago. I can't do that. No. Nope. So I have future. I have to keep moving forward. I have to just keep writing. I have to keep, um, you know, keep doing my thing. And you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll write one of those, you know, if I, you know, there was that song Whitney Houston sang in The Bodyguard, you know, maybe I'll write a song like that. <laughs> right. And whether I do it or somebody else does it, Dolly Parton loves Whitney Houston's version yes. of that. Um, you know, so you can't sit here and beat yourself up or, or sit there and play Monday morning quarterback because all you're going to do is give yourself an ulcer. That's yeah. right. Now you uh, ultimately you joined Rat. You, um, I was actually uh, I got to open up for you guys uh, at the Canes Ballroom, famous Canes Ballroom here in Tulsa, uh, years that. ago. And I actually talked to you backstage. I tried to make uh, get you to come. Uh, me and my girlfriend tried to get you to come to a a club, an after after party club <laughs> called Two Bucks Saloon. Of course, you you know you had other things you had to do. So that was that was great great opportunity for me to i loved rat and you know with these with these guys you know you don't know if they're coming or going you know steven's off doing his thing um you know with you having some some sort of an inside track with these guys are they wasting time because it seems like they could be doing so much right now um and they're just not <laughs> you know and and it's unfortunate but they can't get out of their own way and and I'll let me ask you this: as a fan, are you, are you a fan of Rat? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, Love well, you know, yeah. So, I mean, how awesome would it be for Warren, Stephen, Juan, and Bobby to just put everything aside, figure out? what Motley has figured out and what Poison has figured out. You know, do what you got to do. It's not about you. It's about the fans. You guys have a legacy of music. They sold a lot of fucking records. Yeah. A lot of fans out there that would love nothing more than to hear Steven's voice, Warren's guitar, and Bobby's drumming and want all of those guys, those four guys with a guitar player, go out and, 
and and do your thing and you know just put your fucking egos aside i don't know if they'll ever be able to do it you know and i don't i don't, I don't think skid row can do it either i mean their their current singer is fantastic he's killing it but how many people still pine to see uh, sebastian up there it's the same thing you know i just I just saw Baz and uh, honestly, like it, you know, it sucks. Obviously I'm not in rat anymore. I was in rat with three of them. Uh, you know, I don't know what the chemistry is like now. I know what it was like then, um, you know, and I don't like sometimes some relationships are just completely irreparable. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, but that's where the fans need to just go, you know what? Fuck it. I don't even know why I'm trying. It's just never going to happen. Right. You know, and maybe if they let it go, it, they'll be surprised. Don't know. Sure. It, it, mystery, you know, and it, it sucks because I love Baz, uh, but I didn't have to live with him. And I love Snake and Rachel, uh, you know, all the guys, Scotty, um, you know, I, I love all the guys. Rob, I've seen Rob a few times, like up in New York, and you know, but it's like I'd love to see the original Skid Row back together again. But we weren't there. We weren't living right. with each other. just fans that bought the music. Yeah, and we don't know what the situation is. You know, I could tell you right now, just as an example, my mom and dad. You know, there was some underlying love there but there was no fucking way you could put those two people under a same roof together. Yeah. Once worse, it was never going to happen. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, so just, I don't know, man, you know, I, you know what it's, it's, I've been doing this now for almost 40 years. I'm just, I'm just happy to be back with the dead daisies. I'm just happy to be still in demand for my solo career. I've got yes. a couple shows, obviously, this month, um, you know, and then I'm back out to off to Japan and Europe with the Daisies for the rest of the year. Looking forward to next year. Um, that's it. Like I said, move forward, you know, and again, I'm not trying to part any wisdom on anybody, but if you drive a car, you put it in drive and you spend your time looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to hit something. That's right. And it's good. So look look forward. The mirror is just to check and make sure, you know, whatever. That's that's in the past. Whatever. Look per forward and I step Perfect. on it. Perfect advice, John. Hey, let me let me read you a few more viewer comments, and then we'll we'll cut you loose for the night. Uh, Bill Campbell says, "Love you, John. Patiently awaiting you to return to Tulsa. Need you to sign my copy of Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. I'm sure John will do that for you, Bill. Bring that thing on out to the show." Don Sloan, Un Union was awesome. I still have that record. You guys really were. Now, we have a request, and, and you can say your, yes or no. Leslie Allred says, can we see your eyes just once? <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> That's beautiful. We love Jason it. Fritz says, is there a song that John feels like he has to have on his set list? but doesn't like playing it. Oh, he's trying to say, say what you were going to say, John, and we'll go back to that question. Just for the record, I just want everybody to know, like these glasses 
I don't wear these glasses. Uh, you know, it's it's not about the cool factor. These are prescription. Ah. At sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes at night, my eyes are a little sensitive to light lights sure. and shit. So I they're prescription glasses, and I wear them because I have to. Uh, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't wear them. Please forgive me. But they are okay. cool. Excellent. I'll say Jason Fritz says, is there a song that John feels like he has to have on his set list but doesn't like playing it? And go ahead and put up the um, comments. If oh, you... sure, sure. Uh, wow. Um, no. Um, I can't really think of there's a few songs that I'd like to have back that I I I kind of feel like due to the schedule um like I, I'm not real I know a lot of fans love the Blue Room record and I thought maybe half the record was really good but the other half I was like, fuck, I wish I would have had a little more time to just tweak things. There's a few songs that throughout my career that I felt like, ah, oh, God, why did I say that? Or why did I use that word or that sentence or that chord? And I wish I would have had just a little more time to just fuck with it. But if it's in the set, it's because I feel like it needs to be there. And um, trust me, I, as much as I love you guys, the fans, if I don't like a fucking song, I ain't playing it. Sure. <laughs> like it is not going to happen because, yeah. it, because at the end of the day, the fans are going to be able to read it all over my face. Yeah. So for sure, you know, John, I'm a Motley fan. I'm a kiss fan. My two favorite bands in the world, you know, one and two, sometimes two and one, but you know, I, I, I listened to an interview and you didn't, you always under, didn't understand why, you know, a lot of people were infatuated with the 94 album, you know, that, that era. And the best way I can describe it as a fan for both of both Kiss and Motley, it's almost like the Vinnie Vincent era. You know, Vinnie came in, they had the Creatures of the Night album. You know, he came out, he looked like he was the warrior, looked like a badass, but he replaced a legend like Ace Frehley. So it was like, it was heartbreaking, but yet it was mysterious and different and cool. And then they came out with Lick It Up, and then he was gone. Lick It Up was another great album, great songs. Beefed them up, saved their career. You came in at a, at a different time of music in, in, in our era. It came from party rock to, to all of a sudden you guys are out just bashing it. Put out this heavy record. It was cool. It sounded awesome. And we fell in love with it. A lot of us fell in love with it. Not everyone, but a lot of us did. Yep. And we loved it. And so we that's why we dissect that album. That's why we dissect everything about John and, and Motley and, and how, how did you guys do this and why didn't, uh, you know, uh, personality number nine form instead of uh, Generation Swine, you know. We love it, and, and so we're infatuated that with it because it's just a different part of the band, and it replaced. You were the first replacement, just like Vinny was with Kiss, and I always kind of tie those together. Not not that you, you two are the same guys, but you understand what I'm saying. 
Yeah, it's yeah. I'm, I I I get it, man. You know, I I get, and I even get the fans that still fucking hate that record. Yeah, get it. Like I, I've trust me, I've met quite a few of them, and they're like, "Not nah, new, not gonna buy it." Or you know, it's just I I I just um yeah, I understand it. Like you know, if Aerosmith was to get. I don't give a shit. Paul McCartney, Robert Plant, you know, some of my favorite singers, uh, you know, to go out and replace Steven Tyler, I wouldn't be happy either. So, um, you know, I, I, I understand it. You know, the, the thing, the thing of it is though, again, like, um, I don't want to, like, I don't mind talking about, any of the bands that I've been in, whether it's The Scream, Union, Motley, Rat, um, and The Dead Daisies, um, you know, but it's like, I, I, I just, my, my thing is I don't like dwelling on any, not just The Motley, any one record from back then. Like, yeah. that's, that's Dan, man. That, you know, again, yep. um, you know, next year is going to be just to put this into perspective 2022 last year was 30 years ago 2022 that i joined motley hmm. next year will be 30 years that the motley record came out and 2026 will be 30 years that i left hmm. wow yeah so it's like, you know, there's a lot of great shit happening right now in John Karabi's world, you know what I mean? And I, I don't want to sit here and talk about, not not with you guys, I'm just saying in general. Sure, sure. I don't want to talk about the screen because that was even longer, uh, you know, and, and, or not that I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to dwell on it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I'm literally trying to right now, I'm literally putting music together for either the dead daisies or John Karabi for the future. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, again, it's that old adage of like putting a car in drive and staring in the rear view mirror, yep. but you're going forward. You're got, it's not going to be good. So, all the re uh, rest of the stuff, it's part of the, it's part of the John Karabi DNA. It's part of the John Karabi makeup. It's part of the John Karabi story, but it's not the only part. The, I still feel like, I don't know, this might sound cliched or might sound stupid, but I feel like the best is yet to come, man. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. yeah. And we'll be, and we'll be seeing you in Tulsa and, um, as well as you will be riding, um, in a jet and going <laughs> off on tour with the dead daisies, drinking the fine champagne and enjoying life like he should. Um, Just for the record, I don't like champagne. I'm uh -huh. a, I'm a, I'm a whiskey guy. There Jameson. Jameson. Fact. Okay. So everybody coming to the Tulsa show, remember that he's a Jameson guy. You have given us a ton of time. We are so grateful. One more time, guys, make sure you go check out John Karabi live at the graffiti bar Friday, October 13th. The doors open at seven that night and the show is at nine. 
Eddie Trunk will be there. Thank you to DEB Concerts for bringing John in. It's going to be another great and and fantastic time. We want to remind you guys also, pick up John's book, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. You can order that at johncarabi.com. By all means, support everything that John has going on because as he says, the best is yet to come. His voice is in top form. The band is clicking on all cylinders. Dead Daisies, check them out. And John, thank you so much for your time tonight. I do want to say, I do want to say one one other thing. If you want any information on the Dead Daisies, go to thedeaddaisies.com. Yes. And we do record out called The Best Of. It's everything we've done for the last 10 years. And like I said, the best is yet to come. And you're on an album with Glenn Hughes. Isn't that amazing? Killer. Who saw that? Second second one, to be honest with you. If you if you remember, Glenn and I sang on Misunderstood together. And here we are on another record almost 30 years later together again. So, awesome. so cool. You did great, my friend. We wish you well. And we'll see you here in Tulsa in just a couple weeks. Thank you, John Karabi. Thank you. Have a great night. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're on an album with some legendary musicians. I mean, Doug Aldrich is an amazing guitar player. Oh, yeah. The Dead Daisies. Um, of course, you have, um, you know, other other musicians that were in that band. Uh, shit, man. I mean, tons of people. And, and, and that's the thing. The, the, it, there are so many people that have been in and out of the, da- the Dead Daisies, but... You know, I think, you know, they, they're trying to keep this as their core piece. Yeah. And let's go out. They're going to go out in Europe and Japan and kick ass. I mean, and, and they're celebrating the best of. And, and you know, to be on an album with Glenn Hughes and then, of course, John Stevens was mm-hmm. their uh, first vocalist, mm-hmm. um, I believe. Um, <laughs> amazing stuff. I got to tell you, I don't know if John will, will see this or watch it back, but he actually helped me out with something tonight. <clears throat> I don't know if he uh, realizes this, but as he was talking about, you know, wanting more and questioning, why didn't I get this? Why, why, you know, why doesn't my bank account have, have X amount of dollars in it? You know, at our level, I mean, we we never got to John Karabi's level, ever, but we would have killed to get there. But, you know, it's like his perspective is so correct and it's so right. You, No matter what level you guys are in life, you have to step back and go, look at what I do have. Look at what I have accomplished. I have, you know, we have a beautiful home. We have... We have friends, we have great cats, we have food to eat, we pay our bills, and we get to play music on the weekend. So what a great lesson in being grateful for the things yeah. that you have achieved in your life. And we don't have to ride around on a bus and, and wake up and you're amongst, you know, six dudes laying around. You know, you can <laughs> you can wake up Let's, and, and you make your you breakfast like and, and kind of plan out your day. Go set up your your band, play for the weekend, come back home. If, you know, working the week sucks. It does. No one wants to get up and go to fucking work. I don't want to fucking do that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, here we are. And and but we're at the age where we just got to do it a few more years, and yeah. then we can retire and do all that stuff. You know, that is if you know you got your four hundred one going in retirement and place and all that. Which, wow! Suddenly we've turned into a financial uh, advice show. I like this. Well, this is good. But I, I do recommend you guys to see that Paramount oh, Plus. Yes. I want a rock documentary. Ooh, um, yes. I actually I didn't have Paramount Plus because 
how many apps do you have to have to see the cool shit? And it's like constantly you got to have these new apps. Drives me crazy. Of course, I had the trial and I did the trial as soon as I watched all three episodes, all three hours last night. Mm -hmm. Amazing documentary. And and it, you know, they 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 had all the cool cliche stuff from 80s rock in there, but they shot it from different angles and and they had some really cool footage I've never seen before. Yeah. It's cool stuff from the strip. You know, it looked like it was filmed. You know, uh, it was brighter. It looked like it was newer, but it wasn't. You and know, it, it was not cheesy in any way. And it actually, there, like he said, well, I don't know if he said it on our interview or, or Eddie's, uh, Eddie Trunk's recent interview, but there are moments of that that are super sad. I mean, um, you know, Dave Sasabo from Skid Row, man, he's gone through some stuff and, and, and he's, depression yeah, and, and, and abuse and it just, Oh, Vicky Hamilton, who uh, oh, managed, poor girl. no, she managed Motley Crue, and they shit all over her. Guns and, then, and Roses, and then she managed Poison, and they shit all over her. Mm. You know, right before they were like, we're about to make it like huge, and, and they would have like they dropped her like right before. Yeah, and, and then and then she found Guns and Roses, let Guns and Roses like stay in her apartment and let them live there. <laughs> they partied there. She still has like. A coffee table with cigarette, cigarette burns. burns on them from you know <laughs> Stephen Adler and Slash and all the guys and 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 finally I guess they you know there was a, a part where they were getting nominated I guess in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and uh, Slash and Stephen Adler uh, thanked Vicky Hamilton but there's a lot of uh, ups and downs in this documentary of uh, like I said success and starting out yeah. and finding success and then failure and then finding that happy that happy place again after the failure it's 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 a roller coaster i recommend it it's really cool gotta watch it the kip winger part is fascinating i mean i our interview with him was great he's a very serious intellectual guy his portion of the story is very moving as well so definitely check that out um you know being in a band with a billionaire it, <laughs> it, it doesn't suck it should does not it? suck i no. mean they're treated well so i mean yeah, I mean he, you know, he's talked about why don't I have as much money as Nikki and and Steven Tyler bought a new you know, this new car, you know, but he's in a band that's got more money than all of those dudes. <laughs> if I were John, I would have a hard time not looking over at David and going, "Hey man, can I have a million bucks?" <laughs> he's a billionaire with a B. Awesome yeah, though. Yeah. I mean, it, they are such a good. Can band. you put me in your will? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. All right, we've been on almost an hour and a half, so let's roll through this fast. Once again, thanks to Doug Burgess for uh, setting up that interview with John Karabi. You guys got to go see the Karabi show on October 13th at the Graffiti Bar, 111 South Detroit. Guys, this is a free show. All you have to do is RSVP at stubwire.com, and you can get your uh, ticket to get in that night. Doors at 7, show at 9. You'll be able to say hi to Eddie Trunk. He's a good friend of Tulsa, a good friend of Doug's, good friend of John's, a good friend of all of us. So we'll look forward to seeing the guys there that night. Thank you, Psychomo Filmworks, for our intro. If you guys have any video needs at all whatsoever, email psychomo at gmail.com. Dustin Little is a great sponsor for our show. If you have IT needs in any form or fashion, you can call him at 918-640-0892. Email Dustin at okpc.com. Do you need some photos taken of your band, your business, or something else? Well, Shipman Photos will do your branding right. Contact them at shipmanphotos.com. How about screen printing? You guys need some shirts printed up? 
uh, contact Todd at Identity Merch, 918-521-5660. Tulsa and Music Stream, baby. He he is the guy that that uh, takes orders for our Tulsa Music Stream swag and, and mails those out very quickly. So if you want to order some, some TMS stuff, you can go to our Facebook page, click on our website link, and it'll take you right there. Like Scott said, we, we kind of breezed through this at the beginning, but anytime you want to see us live or on replay, you can go check out our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell. Our Facebook page, Twitter, or Twitch. You can also hear us in audio format on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. We're going to do this again next Thursday. This is going to be fun, fun, fun. Roxy Petrucci of Vixen will be on with us Thursday, October 5th, 7 p.m. Central. That's going to Petrucci. be great. Is it? I keep saying Petrucci. It's no, Petrucci. It's yeah. Okay. Boy, I better get that down before we bring her on next week. I always screw something up. Well, I had an amazing time, and it was Me great too. hearing the stories um, of Motley. I love Motley, and and I always wanted to, you know, let him know that there's a lot of fans out there that love him and and, and adore his music and and his his writing abilities and, and his his song, his singing, just everything. He's not some guy that came in and wrecked the party. You know, he, no. he came in and he and he had to do a job, and he did a great job at it. And you know, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But I don't think it was entirely all his fault you know he thinks he it is but i think it's just the timing the timing was it bad was. and, and that you know they didn't want the era didn't want 90s or 80s music no. but the, but suddenly you know they wanted to bring vince back so it wasn't going to work one way or the other well i stand by what i said earlier i i think uh, just because it was the era it was i don't care who you've got in that frontman position it was a downtime for for all the 80s bands then but what a resurgence in the 2000s man we've had a good time since that's right and it hasn't, we haven't looked back since nope nope you can't it, kill it you just kind of look at at the 90s as 80s rock pause it was a pause. Absolutely. And then boom. Yeah. But what do they call it? Boot and rally? That's right. We un <laughs> unpause that shit. <laughs> yeah. Rock and anyway, roll you guys baby. have a great night and as always, uh, you know, share our share our stream and tag some friends or whatever. Try to get some more people involved and the more the merrier, man. We need to get to a uh, thousand subscribers on YouTube and we would love to get more followers on our Facebook page. You know, spread the word, and um, we love you guys, and we'll see you uh, next week when yep. we have Vixen, Roxy Petrucci. Petrucci next Thursday night at 7 o'clock Central. Thank you for watching Tulsa Music Stream. We'll talk to you soon.